Amen. Thank you so much uh, for that beautiful, beautiful worship this morning. Uh, if you have your Bibles or you want to use one of our pew Bibles, I invite you to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, we'll be starting in verse 8 this morning, 1 Timothy chapter 3. And uh, I want you to think about as you're turning there, have you ever been a part of or seen something disorganized? I'm not real, uh, not sure I expected laughter there. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure where to go now. So I was next going to ask, have you ever seen anything organized? But based on the laughter, I don't know. Uh, I think uh, if we had to choose, I think we would choose the organized, right? Uh, we would choose to you know, kind of have a plan. And a process in place for all all aspects of life, but life comes at us fast and uh, sometimes things aren't organized. I have come to enjoy two things that I thought I would never enjoy, soccer and hockey. Uh, and I, I like them. I, I, I was a football guy. I never thought much of soccer growing up and never really thought much of my best friend who was a soccer player. Uh, he was kind of a wuss, to be honest with you. Uh, but... My daughter plays soccer now, and she's not a wuss. And so I, I've come to uh, I've come to respect these sports. And I've actually watching the Hurricanes the last few games have really come to enjoy hockey. What I enjoy is when things just work out exactly like they're supposed to. Uh, this season, uh, watching one of the soccer games, I was able to see uh, intentional or unintentional. I think it was just a well organized play. The ball was passed to a midfielder who passed it over. I don't know the terms, so forgive me. Passed to someone who was over on the sideline who dribbled it down and then passed it up instantly to the middle who instantly scored. Now that is just a perfectly timed, perfectly organized, and I know they practiced that. Uh, or when, when, when things are organized, they work so much better, don't they? Uh, in sports especially, when the team is working together and everything is functioning the way it is intended, goals can be accomplished. But if everybody is skating or kicking their own way or going their own direction or kind of like TJ's flag football team, <laughs> when the one kid gets the ball handed to him and runs the opposite direction, <laughs> as we're on the goal line... You know, he's doing his own thing, bless his heart, right? We're Southerners. We say bless his heart when something like that happens. Uh, when it's organized and when it's working, goals can be accomplished. This morning, I want us to talk about the essential characteristics of a deacon. Next Sunday and the next two Sundays, we will begin nominating deacons. Uh, and it's vitally important that the church is reminded from the Bible how God organized his church. Uh, as you read, uh, the, the church is really birthed in uh, the early chapters of Acts at Pentecost. That's kind of the birth of the church. Uh, and then from there, you get glimpses of how the church grows and moves throughout the early history. And you see the growing pains of the church. And you see how it begins to get organized and how God begins to develop and organize a body of believers. Uh, we see in these early chapters of Acts, God is organizing and structuring his church. Because the goal of the church is found in the Great Commission. 
We are to be disciples who make disciples. For that to function properly, there has to be organization. There has to be direction. There has to be a plan. And you see God working through this early church to build his church and to build and develop the plan that he has established for the church. As we're in 1 Timothy, um, the purpose of Paul's writing is found in chapter 3, verse 14, where Paul says, I have written so that you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the foundation of truth. Timothy is a young pastor. He is in his 30s, and he has been called to pastor a the church in Ephesus uh, to lead them through the persecution and through the chaos of the time. And he's also been tasked to lead them to organize themselves so that they can proclaim the truth so that they will be a pillar and a foundation of truth. And so Paul says, Timothy, I want you to know how to structure the church because that's important. The structure and the organization of a church is important because that is what God has called us to do so we can fulfill the commission that he has given us. The church is plan A for advancing the gospel. There is no plan B. Okay, when God sent Jesus, he had the church in mind. I would say that at the creation of the universe, God had the church in mind. That through the church, a body of believers, the gospel, the truth of God would be spread to the nations. That's plan A. And so as Christians, we have to function the way God has called us to function. Because if we try to function outside of God's design, we become dysfunctional. Does that make sense? God established it. God knows how it should function. And God has given us those instructions in his word. So there's two questions that I do want to answer today. First, what is a deacon? And second is, what are the, those essential characteristics of a deacon? If you look at uh, chapter 3, starting in verse 8, the Apostle Paul starts with, Deacons likewise should be worthy of respect, not hypocritical, not drinking a lot of wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. They must also be tested first. If they prove, uh, if they prove blameless, then they can serve as deacons. Wives, likewise, must be worthy of respect, not slanderous, self-controlled, uh, self-controlled, they must be, hold on. They must be worthy of respect, not slanderous. They must be self-controlled, faithful in everything. Deacons are to be the husbands of one wife, meaning uh, managing their children and their own households competently. For those who have served well as deacons acquire a good standing for themselves and a great boldness in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Paul starts this verse with deacons likewise. In chapter 3, he is laying out the two functioning offices of the church. Uh, the first uh, seven verses are talking about the office of overseer. You could also say elder, bishop. You know, those are words you see in the New Testament. We call it pastor. Anytime you see overseer, bishop, or uh, elder, 
think of pastor. It's all describing the same office of the church. The elders or the pastors, the overseers are the spiritual leaders. They are the shepherds of the church. Their job is to protect the sheep, teach the sheep, lead the sheep in these spiritual matters to preach as As you see in Acts chapter 6, the apostles say our job is to pray, study the word, and to teach the word. That is the role of the pastor and the, or that is the role of the pastor. The second office he introduces to is the office of deacons. Deacons like elders, um, he says deacons likewise are just like the elders. There are characteristics and there are things that you have to do, but we need to understand what a deacon is first. It's the word diakonos, and there's different variations of that word. It simply means servant. In fact, that word that is translated deacon here is used several times in the Bible, in the New Testament. Oftentimes, it is actually translated servant or minister or ministry. It just means to serve. That is what a deacon is. A deacon is a servant of the church. Jesus kind of uses the same word when he says this in Matthew 20. It must not be that among you, whoever wants to become great must be your deacon, must be your servant. In Mark 9, Jesus says, if anyone wants to be first, he must be last and a servant or a deacon of all, I want you to hear me very closely. Everybody who is a Christian, everyone in the church is called to serve the church. We are all called to serve and be a part. Paul tells the church in Corinthians that, that God has made up the body of believers with all different gifts and all different functions. And, and we all have these unique gifts that we are to use to serve the church. In a real sense, everyone is called to be a deacon. But what happens in Acts chapter 6 is a problem. Uh, the young church of Jerusalem has a food distribution ministry. And it's not functioning effectively or efficiently. And because of the problems in the food distribution ministry, they're potentially, and you can read Acts chapter 6 on your own, I'm just summarizing it. There's a potential for a church split a potential for a divided church. There is certainly the sparks of conflict. And so the group that is being left out or neglected, they go to the apostles. The apostles, you know, there are no apostles today. They're the pastors, the elders of the church, and always more than one. There's a plurality of them. And those people complain, and the apostles are like, you know, we don't have time. We need help. We've got to, you know, our job as apostles, pray and teach and protect and lead the church. We need help to make sure this food distribution ministry functions efficiently and effectively. So the apostles instruct the church to select men uh, from among them of good reputation, filled with the spirit, and they are to become the ministry mobilizers. That's what I like to call them. They are ministry mobilizers. Uh, it's not that the apostles don't ever help. They're just not in charge of that ministry. The ministry mobilizers, the first deacons, become the group of people who mobilize the rest of the church to serve in this ministry so it functions efficiently 
and effectively. A, a big misconception is that the deacons were doing all the work. No, the deacons in that first, in that Acts chapter 6, were working to organize the ministry. I call, I've read a lot and studied a lot, listened to a lot of podcasts on deacons. The way that I put it in my mind, and I can clearly, I think, describe it, is in the early church, the deacons would be looked at as a group of committee chairpersons. It's not that they were, you know, special servants, although they were lead servants, but they were leading a group of people to do ministry. They were the ministry mobilizers, the chair people uh, of the church. Today we might think of deacons leading uh, a, min- a parking lot attendant ministry, where a group of deacons get together and mobilize a team within the church to greet people in the parking lot. The deacons would you know, maybe get together and you would have a group and they would mobilize a, the usher ministry. Deacons would maybe organize and handle the financial ministries of the church or the administrative ministries of the church. Any need that arises within the church that is not a spiritual need would be handled by the deacons. Now, that's just the biblical description of it. It's evolved and changed a little bit over time. But what we see in the Bible are lead servants who are organizing the church to do the ministries of the church so that the elders and the pastors can focus on the spiritual side of the church. So in essence, what a deacon is, and as you think this week about it, who you're going to nominate, you're just nominating a servant, someone with the servant's heart. Deacons are not a board of directors designed to run a church, although that's what it's developed in many churches. Deacons, in a biblical standpoint, are ministry mobilizers. And as the apostles tell them in Acts chapter 6 with the character traits there, Paul now tells Timothy essential characteristics. Deacons likewise must, must be worthy of respect, not hypocritical. And so for the rest of our time, I want to look at these essential characteristics of the lead servants of the church, the ministry mobilizer. As you pray this week about who to nominate, these are the things that should stick in your mind as we think about people who fit these characteristics. Now, a lot of people call these qualifications, and maybe that's what they are. I prefer the word characteristics, and here's why. Nobody's qualified to do what God has called them to do. Nobody is, because we're imperfect people. But God qualifies the called. God will qualify those whom he calls. I mean, I think of Moses and some of those Old Testament heroes. They were not qualified for the task. But God, but they were, but here's the thing, they were faithful to God. They were spiritually mature. So God qualified them to do the task that he called them to do. And so I, I don't like using the word qualifications, but these are characteristics, essential characteristics. The first one is they have to be worthy of respect. You want to think of someone who is dignified, who is a person of honorable character, a person of high character, a person that is respected by the church. The second one, and very important, is they're not to be hypocritical. Uh, some translations might use um, a different phrase there. It literally means double-tongued. 
Now, what a deacon or what a lead servant, a ministry mobilizer is not to be is someone who says one thing to one person and turns around and says something different to another person. Or they're not to be a person who goes behind other people's back running their mouth. I mean, yeah, the hypocritical is a good word because if I, if, I, if I look at Tim and I say something to Tim and then I turn around and say something completely different, that's hypocritical. That's not the kind of person we want. We want a straight shooter, someone who controls his language, someone who says what he means, means what he says, and follows through with what he says. Another way you could say it's a, it's a sincere, dependable person who's not two-faced. Now, if you live in the real world, which I think everybody here does, you know people who are two-faced. Like you probably have a picture of them in your head right now. Hopefully it's nobody in the church. Right? If you got that per, that's not who you nominate to be a deacon. Okay? A deacon needs to be respectful in his speech. The third characteristic is not drinking a lot of wine. Now, this is always my favorite. Okay? This is a hot button issue throughout the realms of Christianity. This passage does not prohibit the consumption of wine. We could debate that and discuss that on another sermon. But what this is talking about is an addiction to wine. It's talking about the abuse of an alcoholic beverage. Uh, ultimately, what Paul is getting at is if a person who is con- who consumes too much alcohol, a person who is drunk all the time, and, and I think we can all understand, the Bible's pretty clear that we're not to be drunkards. And I think we can all agree on that. That we're not to abuse alcohol. But for the standpoint of a deacon, if they're being controlled by a substance like wine, they're not being controlled by the Lord. See what I'm saying? If they are, uh, if they are consuming too much alcohol and they're drunk all the time, the Lord's not controlling their life. We can extend this application beyond alcohol though. They didn't have some of the drugs that we have today, but we can extend it and apply this to any substance that causes you not to be sober or causes you not to be in control. Any drug, whether it's uh, uh, you can you know, buy on the street from the dealer or maybe it's the opioid you can get at the pharmacy. If you abuse those drugs, then you are being controlled by those drugs and you're not being controlled by the Lord. Now, I want you to understand me because I know there's a lot of people in the world, and there might be people who watch this online who struggle with addictions. And it would be easy for me to stand up here and say, you you just need to get right with the Lord, and the Lord will take away that addiction. And he will. But sometimes people need help. Sometimes people with addictions who struggle with uh, alcohol abuse or drug abuse They need places and experts and doctors to help them. And God has given us doctors and resources and organizations like Alcoholics Anonymous and and, and, and places that you can go to get clean. Those are good places. And so the Lord uses those places to help people. And as a church, we don't condemn and we don't judge and we don't look down upon someone who has a problem. But we speak truth to them and we try to help them. They're not, I mean, if they're having a problem, they're not ready to serve as a ministry mobilizer. But that doesn't mean we write them off. We help them. And one day, 
They overcome that through the work of the Holy Spirit, through the work of the doctors and the medications and the treatment facilities. And maybe one day they serve as deacons, which is a testimony to the power of God in their life. Another characteristic says don't be greedy. Again, I think it ties into the alcohol uh, characteristic because it's talking about control. You must not be controlled by your money. The root of all evil is what? The love of money. The love of money. If deacons are going to handle finances of the church, I don't think you want a greedy, dishonest person to do that. Right? It must be someone who is controlled by the Lord and faithful. These are all high characteristics of the people that we are looking for to serve as a lead servant or a ministry mobilizer. A second category is a deacon must be a person with authentic faith. Look at verses 9 and 10, but those who, uh, or verse uh, 10 rather, uh, they must also, or verse 9, holding the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. A deacon has to be spiritually mature. It would be an unwise decision to take someone who gets saved today and make them a deacon tomorrow. They don't have the spiritual maturity. They have to hold to the mystery of the faith. And that when Paul uses that, he's often talking about the gospel. They have to have a clear conscience, meaning that they understand the doctrines of the faith. They know what they believe and they can explain what they believe and that they have a clear conscience and they need to be tested in this area. Uh, And there's all different kinds of ways to test people. You want to know how I'm going to test people? I'm probably just going to have a general conversation in passing. You can tell pretty quickly if someone's spiritually mature just by having a conversation with them. They are to have an authentic faith. They are to be spiritually mature. Now, I'm going to skip verse 11 for right now. I see a lot of people smiling. We're going to come back to it. Verse 12, deacons are to be family men. Deacons are to be the husbands of one wife, managing their children and their households competently. Now, this has garnered a lot of debate in my personal life and talking to people. First things first, I don't believe this D or I don't believe this unqualifies a single person. I don't think you have to be married to do this. I don't think that's what Paul is saying. What he is saying is that if you are married, you need to be married to one person. Now, I'm a husband of one wife. I don't want more than one wife. And I can sure I can promise you that my wife does not want more than one husband. Okay. I don't know how people do this. It, it really it really is talking about in polygamy that he needs to be faithful or adultery. He needs to be a husband who is faithful to one wife. It's not talking about divorce at all. It is talking about a man who is married, must be faithful to his wife. He must manage his children well. Uh, and, and by the way, this doesn't mean their children have to be perfect. I've heard that before, right? I've had people come up to me and say, oh, I can't, he can't be a deacon because his, his son's crazy. Listen, 
Kids are going to be kids. We raise them in the ways of the Lord. We do the best we can, but sometimes they just make bad decisions. What this means is that they are faithfully trying to lead their family in the ways of the Lord. That they're praying over their family. That they're bringing their families to church. That they're trying to walk in a godly path and to lead their house in a godly way. So don't look down on somebody who's struggling. There's that proverb that says if we raise our children, I'm paraphrase it, we raise our children in the ways of the Lord, they won't stray. That oftentimes gets portrayed as a promise. It's not a promise. It's just the most likely thing that will happen if you raise your kids in the ways of the Lord. They're more likely, if you, if you don't raise them in the ways of the Lord, they're never going to be in the ways of the Lord. But that's not a promise proverb. So a deacon must be a family man, a faithful family man. And then we get to verse 11. Wives, too, or wives likewise, must be worthy of respect, not slanderous, self-controlled, faithful in everything. I have studied that verse every which way I can for many, many years. There are many who think that should be translated, women, likewise, must be worthy of respect, and it's talking about women deacons. I, I, I can see that. And I could accept that as a interpretation of that verse. I have come to the conclusion that it is actually talking about wives. It, here, in this passage. That, again, in the cultural context of this day, the deacons would have been men. That was the culture. Their wives would have been uh, helping them and serving alongside of them. They are to be respectful, not slanderous, self-controlled, and faithful. Those are important characteristics of the wives of a deacon, if they're married. Now, the question then becomes, what about women deacons? I think the Bible's okay with that. I do. I think you see in Romans that Phoebe is a woman who is serving in the office of deacon in that church. I think in the New Testament you see many women who God has gifted to be servants of the church. I think they must have these same characteristics if you're going to nominate one. Here is the warning in the words of caution from the Bible. In many churches, Southern Baptist in particular, the board of deacons does not operate as a biblical deacon board from the New Testament. In most Southern Baptist churches, the board of deacons is operating or functioning as a hybrid deacon-slash-elder board, where they're making all the decisions of the church. They're the board of directors. The Bible is crystal clear that a pastor is to be a man. That is how God designed it to function. I know women who are qualified teachers, And I know women who, honestly, they can stand up here and they can proclaim the gospel better than many men. And I I gladly will sit under the teaching of a godly woman. But they're not to be pastors. And they're not to function as pastors of the church. That's what the Bible teaches. In circumstances where the deacons are functioning more like a board of elders, 
it would be unwise for a woman to serve in that role because it would be unbiblical. That's just, don't shoot the messenger, okay? (laughs) Now, I have served your church long enough to know that the deacons here are godly people and that they are servants of this church. And I do not believe that the deacons of this church are functioning as an elder or a hybrid of that. So take that as you may. The key is whoever you nominate has to have these essential characteristics. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, this is important. Don't miss this. You might be sitting there thinking, and you're like, well, what if there's a person who doesn't quite get there yet? What if they're not quite at the place of meeting all these standards or characteristics? That's where the church has to become disciplers. It should be the goal of every congregation and every member that everybody meets these characteristics. These aren't just reserved for a select group of people to be ministry mobilized. This is what Christians should look like. And uh, listen, young Christians, new Christians, they're not there yet. In the church, and people have to come along beside them and pour into them and teach them and train them and study with them. Uh, there may be Christians who have been Christians for years and years and years who, who aren't really at this stage yet. We don't write them off. We go alongside of them, we work with them, we pray with them, we teach them. Because that's the goal, is that every Christian comes to a point where they are meeting these essential characteristics. That's more important. Is that everybody, who everybody's called to serve the church, so everybody has to meet these characteristics. It's essential to the Christian life. Just like it's essential being a deacon so here's kind of the application and the challenge for you this week read Acts chapter 6 read this passage in 1 Timothy Uh, uh, really those are the only two places that really give a good in-depth picture there's a couple more but these are the two in-depth pictures of it Uh, read them, study them give us a lot of website hits this week go back and watch the sermon but pray Pray, God, show me who to nominate. God, show me who amongst our people fit these characteristics and you are calling them to serve for the next three years. That is your prayer this week, is to focus on who God wants to serve as servants. Let's pray together. Father, as we... uh, enter into a time of nominating these individuals who will serve this church, meeting physical needs, uh, meeting administrative needs, financial needs, uh, and ministry needs. Uh, as, we pray, as we come to a point where we're, we are seeking individuals who can help organize and mobilize the ministries of this church so that they operate efficiently and effectively, all for the glory of God. God was so amazing, Father, in Acts chapter 6, when it's all organized and it's all working the way you designed it to, the gospel spreads. 
Father, that's the goal of the church is that we would spread the gospel, that we would make disciples lead us to nominate and select individuals who would, who would help in those areas. That we would function and operate the way that you have designed and called us to function and operate. That you would help us not to cave to the pressures of culture, but that we would surrender to the truths of your word. And Father, we know that when we pray and we seek your will, that you guide us to the people who you have already chosen. And for those, Father, who are still on this journey to spiritual maturity, help us as a church to come alongside of them. Help us to pour into them the truths of the scripture. Help us to, to walk and, and be, be partners with them as they navigate the Christian life. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that the Lord has spoke to your heart and has blessed you through this message. If you would like more information about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, please reach out to us at one of the following locations. You can visit us online at chinagrovefbc.com slash salvation or check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash chinagrovefbc. Thank you and have a blessed rest of the day.